0: Hallelujah. I was just having my microphone adjusted at the back. Praise God. Amen. Well, good afternoon, Kesinger Temple. It's good to be back with you again this Sunday. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. And I also want to say thank you to Pastor Colin for the opportunity to come back and minister to you. Amen. And um, I pray that God will bless our. our, our uh, the word of God this afternoon and um, cause it to bear fruit in our lives. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather once again in this sanctuary to worship you, to praise you, to thank you for who you are. We thank you for the communion of saints. We thank you for your grace that is in our lives. We thank you for the privilege of being called the children of the Most High God. We thank you for the death. The barrier and the resurrection of our lord jesus christ we thank you for the power of resurrection we thank you that we are saved by grace and we thank you because we're alive today to worship you and so father i'm asking that you bless this time together with us let the entrance of your word bring light let the light of the gospel of our lord jesus christ shine into our hearts Let grace flow into our hearts today. And we promise to give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, a couple of weeks ago I was here on this platform preaching and um, I spoke about uh, it's time to be bold. Amen. Amen. Uh, that was part one of the message. Today I bring you part two of the message, amen. amen. Hallelujah, amen. I, I want to thank people who um, did get in touch with me on Facebook and say thank you, Pastor Priest, for that message and all that stuff. Thank you for the text and the emails and all that. But I, I, like I said in, at the nine o'clock service that um, um, I did mention some of some men of God. I mentioned them by name on this platform that Sunday. And I want to say that it's because of the respect that I have for them. It's because I consider them the generals in the church of Jesus Christ uh, in this city at this time. And it was a hard cry. It was a, uh, a hard cry from, if I may, if I may you know, call myself a major in the, in the army of the Lord, calling on the generals to rally the troops so that our, our, our city gates are not taken by the enemy. Amen. And so, part two of this message is for you and I, as soldiers, as foot soldiers, as, as lower ranking members in the army of God. Um, what is our part in this uh, battle for souls in this nation? What is our, our part? What do we need to do? What are we going to do? What are we supposed to do? What are we being called upon to do by the Lord Jesus Christ to make sure that we. Partake of the taking back of the city gates, the gates of authority in this nation. We're doing a lot of things in this house. We do sales, we go on encounters, we uh, win souls for Christ. We are putting on a show uh, over the, the, the weekend of Easter. This is your life to get people to come and know Jesus. Uh, not only that, we are tackling the giants Of society Uh, we are looking at how we bring our people in education in business together to tackle the Giants in our society so we do you know a lot in this house but then that's what we do together there's something also that we need to do individually and I want to focus on uh, those things this morning and encourage us to step out there and be counted for the kingdom of God can I hear you say amen So if you got your Bibles, please go with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Ephesians, chapter 6, and the title of my message is Time to be Bold, part 2. And the the subtitle is Righteousness. Amen. Righteousness. Ephesians, chapter 6, and I want to read from verse 13. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore." and supplication for all the saints amen please let me take this opportunity to welcome uh those who are in the coronet thank you for joining us um christian and all the team there god bless you and those of you who are in the overflow downstairs in the lower hall and the overflow behind me and of course those of you who are joining us via the internet maybe you are watching live right now from london to the philippines to africa wherever you are watching god bless you or maybe you are downloading this message on the internet. God bless you as you partake of this message. Amen. Here, Paul writes to the Ephesians and he's talking to them about warfare. He's talking to them about warfare. He's saying to them, I want you to dress yourself up. Because he said, you put on the whole armor of God. You are the one to put it on. Put it on. Not just one bit of the armor, but the whole of the armor put together. Put it on by yourself. You must be the one that takes up this armor and puts it on yourself. It's very, very important for us to know that. A soldier going to war uh, is not expecting anybody to tell him to carry his gun. He's not expecting anybody to, ca- to, expecting anybody to tell him to wear his um, protective jacket. He's not expecting you, He knows what to do. So Paul says, let me remind you of what to do in this warfare. Put on the whole armor of God. Do not leave anything behind. Put it on. By yourself, for yourself. Because you are going to war. And he says, you uh, know, uh, 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 again in that same passage, to put it on again. So twice in the passage we read, Paul says to the Ephesians, I want you to know that this armor you've got to put on, By yourself. Hallelujah. And then he goes on to tell them that we're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting, you know, uh, wickedness in the heavenly places. We're fighting people without flesh and blood. We're fighting a spiritual warfare. And therefore, we must understand who we are fighting. Watching on, uh, on the History Channel a long time ago, we were told that, the Russian army failed woefully in Afghanistan when they invaded Afghanistan uh, years ago because they didn't understand the, the nature of the warfare. They didn't understand the terrain. Uh, they, 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 the soldiers were trained in, 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 in urban, warf, urban warfare and contemporary warfare, if I may use that word. But the Afghanistans were trained in warfare in the mountains of Bora Bora. Amen. They don't fight conventionally. And so the Russian army, with all their equipment and everything, did not have good intelligence as to how to fight that war. For us as Christians, we have good intelligence on what we are going to have to do to fight this war. And Paul says, start by putting on the whole armor of God. And he goes on to tell us that the first thing in that armor is truth, the belt of truth. Because the truth of the word of God is what holds everything together. Without the truth, nothing will stand together in our lives as Christians. The truth of the word of God is what holds everything, is our belt that holds our life together. Without the truth of the word of God, our lives will fall apart. Our warfare will disintegrate. We cannot make progress. We don't know what we believe, why we believe what we believe, and who we believe. If the truth is not there, nothing is standing. Everything is a lie. And so the truth comes first to hold everything together for us. Can I hear you say amen? amen? Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not I am a way, not I am a truth. Not I am alive. No, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And he says of that truth, when you know that truth, that truth will set you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The truth will set you free. The more of the truth we know, the more freedom we have in our lives. The more freedom we have in our lives. So when we look at the armor of God, we see that truth comes forth. Jesus is the truth. The only truth. No one comes to the Father except by me. No one comes to the, to the Father except by me. And once you know that truth, the truth sets you free. May you be free in the name of Jesus Christ. May the truth of the word of God set you free in the name of Jesus Christ. And so when we take a look at the armor, And we strip away the images contained in the passage that we've read. When we look at truth and we take away the belt. Because Paul says the belt of truth. When you take that belt away from it, what you have left is truth. And so there are six pieces that must work together. There there are six pieces in this armor that we must know. And the first one is truth. The second one is righteousness, breastplate of righteousness, the righteousness that protects all our vital organs, our heart, our lungs, so that the arrows of the enemy will not penetrate our vital organs. The next thing there is the gospel of peace, and the next thing is faith, then salvation and the word. And so when Paul is talking about the whole armor of God, he's talking about six things that we must know. He's talking about truth, righteousness, gospel of peace, faith, salvation, and the word of God. Those are the things that come together to form the pieces of the armor. But he paints it for us in a picture and says, when you look at the head of a Christian, you must see salvation as the helmet. You must see righteousness as the uh, breastplate. You must see truth as the belt. You must see the gospel as the boot. That we wear. You must see faith as a shield and you must see the word of God as the sword with which we do battle. Can I hear you say amen? Amen. And sometimes as Christians, we get bogged down with the image. I remember as a young Christian being taught about the whole armor of God. When I get up in my house in the morning and I want to put, I say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the boots of the progression of the gospel. The shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. Now I'm ready for battle, amen. But that's not what it means. That is not, you can do that and the devil can still rub your nose in the dust. It is understanding what truth is. It is understanding what righteousness is. It is understanding what we need to do with the gospel. It's understanding how faith plays a part in our warfare. It's understanding how the word of God works for us in the place of battle. Simply speaking, it is the information that you have that works for you in the place of battle. The intelligence that you have that makes the armor work for you. We can demonstrate as much as we like about putting on the helmet and the belt and the breastplate and all that. We can still lose if we go to war without understanding. What Satan fears in your life is the truth of the Word of God that you know. When you know that 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 this is what God has said about you and you stand firmly. On that truth. And you are not budging. You are not giving an inch to the devil. Actually, you are doing what the Bible says you should do. Resist him steadfastly. And he will flee. Because suddenly he realizes that this person, they know their stuff. And one of the challenges that we face today in the Christian is that we have Christians who don't know their stuff. And so, we get shaken by the enemy we get pursued instead of pursuing the devil we turn around and say pastor pastor the devil is pursuing me and if we don't do that then we keep running from one place to the other looking for what is not lost may that not be your portion in jesus name may you be a christian that knows your stuff may you be a christian that knows the truth May you be a Christian that stands upon the truth. May you be a Christian that acts upon the truth. May you be a Christian who is emboldened by the truth. Hallelujah. But I want to focus on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. And if we're to put this together, I had a way that I taught myself to look at it a couple of weeks ago. Truth. Which is the first one in the armor mentioned in Ephesians is what produces righteousness righteousness we embolden us to take the gospel out believing in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ produces faith faith in Jesus brings salvation and those who are saved like you and I are the ones that can take the Word of God and bring truth again the life of people and so they in my mind i see the i see that that armor in a circle like that the word of god brings truth truth produces righteousness righteousness emboldened us to take the gospel of truth out there the gospel of truth brings salvation salvation uh produces people who are saved people who are saved takes the the word of god as a sword to battle the enemy in the life of other people so it's a cycle if we understand the information that Paul is giving us. But I want us to, to go on to see how this works. The Bible says, Jesus says, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except I am the truth. And then he goes on to say that the truth will make you free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth and that truth that you know... Will set you free. So truth brings freedom. Could it be that in our lives as Christians today, we don't really know what we believe? We don't know the belief uh, w- uh, the truth of the word of God so much so that we are not able to stand and produce what is meant to produce? At the nine o'clock service, I told the story of a man of God who was speaking for Proposition 8 in America a couple of years ago. Proposition 8 was, I think, in the state of California where they were going to go to the polls and decide whether they want gay marriage uh, uh, become legal in the state or not. And this pastor, this man of God, did a video uh, kind of um, uh, project for members of his church Asking them to vote for that proposition and not to vote against it. yeah. The proposition says, no, we don't want gay marriage. And he says, sign up for that. But then a couple of months later, he was being challenged on national TV. And when that question came up about his support of Proposition 8, he began to dilly-dally. He wasn't sure-footed in answering the question. In fact, he avoided the question completely. And I was teaching in the Bible school uh, um, for for a few weeks now, Christian ethics. So I brought that video and I told the Bible school students, let's look at this video and let's, let's look at what is happening. And the next time he was called upon on CNN, now being interviewed by Piers Morgan, About this same subject, he became sure-footed. And when he was asked about the same question, he said to Piers Morgan, he said, a lot of people take their worldview from different things. But he said, I have chosen the word of God to be my worldview. He was sure-footed in the word of God. He now stood up for what he believes and why he believes what he believes. Now, the interesting thing, for me in that video, was what Piers Morgan said to him. He has just confessed that his worldview comes from the Bible. And that's what he's going to stick to. Now, Piers looks at him and says to him, look, I fundamentally... (laughs) I thought I was the only fundamentalist around. (laughs) Piers Morgan is a fundamentalist too. He said, I fundamentally and passionately believe excuse me you believe in what he believes in himself he said I fundamentally and passionately believe that people are born gay and then he looks at this man of God and he said if you can convince yourself of the same thing you will come to our side. Hallelujah. <laughs> he is asking this man of God to fundamentally and passionately believe against the word of God. He wants this man of God's worldview to come from praise Morgan. Not from Jesus Christ. <laughs> Not from the word of God. Now, it's easy for me to stand on this platform and pontificate about a man of God who was put under pressure on international TV. What about you and I? When we come under pressure, like Peter came under pressure, when a little maid looked at him and said, you're one of his disciples, said no. The Bible says he began to swear. I don't know him, he said. <laughs> I remember speaking to Pastor Colin a couple of years ago about some men of God who signed some, you know, Islamic documents saying, you know, yeah, the one word, the one word document is called. And I, I sat with him, you know, in, in some meetings. I said, Pastor Colin, I can't understand. How can this man of God, that man of God, this man of God, this man of God, you know, sign this kind of thing? What are they thinking? And he said to me, praise. <laughs> you have no understanding of what kind of pressure was upon them at that time. And that's why I'm saying this message is not for the men of God. This message is for you and for me. Where do we stand when we come under pressure for the sake of the kingdom of God? Do we under pressure, become politically correct and just cover it up? Or do we, for the sake of righteousness, stand for the word of God? Oh, it's something to think about, isn't it? Because it's beginning to become pretty quiet in this Pentecostal church this afternoon. Oh, yes, we can come. Into this sanctuary, thank God for the freedom that we have to worship. Thank God for the freedom that we have to praise the Lord. Thank God for the freedom that we have to preach the gospel. Thank God for the freedom that we have in this house. To praise the Lord. But what about out there in the marketplace? When we are challenged, when our faith is ridiculed. When we are looked at and people look at you and say, you are just being religious, you are a bigot, you are homophobic, you are Islamophobic, you are (laughs) everything-phobic. In fact, if you say, I don't watch TV anymore, you are still television-phobic. We are phobic of everything now just because Our worldview is not the same thing with the worldview of Prince Morgan. And if that is you this morning, hallelujah to the master. Because you are in good company. Because the Bible says you are in the world, but you are not of the world. You are in this world, but you are not made of the stuff of this world. When the first Adam came, he messed up. When the second Adam came and the final Adam, he canceled that race and brought to us a new race, a new people. If any man being Christ is a new creature, all things have passed away and all things have become new. <laughs> no, you are an extraordinary person. And if they misunderstood Jesus, they will misunderstand you. So let's, Get over the feelings of they don't like us. And just do the job that the master called us to do. He never said we we're going to be popular. You see, that's one of the problems I have with Our men of God, who wants to be popular on opera? I don't think Oprah Winfrey is a good measure at validating men of God. I don't think she's got what it takes. I don't think so. Oprah Winfrey can be a popular woman, and excuse me, she's a fantastic news person or show presenter. She's, she's used her talent to influence people, presidents, you know, who are looking to become to come to office, go on her shows for validation. But Oprah Winfrey is not a good measure for the standard of righteousness of I as an ordinary Christian. Because she doesn't know what it takes to be a Christian. And so I I... I I am exercising my spirit when I see men of God go on TV, on such shows, to to have themselves validated. No. The one who validated us is the one who went to the cross. (laughs) The one who validated you was the one who hung on the cross and bled to death. The one who validated you was the one on whose head a crown of thorns was rammed down. The one who validated you was the one whose side was pierced with a spear. The one who validated you was the one that died, that was buried, but on the third day he rose again. The one who validates you today is the one who Who is seated at the right hand of God the Father, forever interceding for you. That's the one who validates you. Therefore, we have nothing, absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. Oh, on that cross, he took your shame. Hallelujah. On the cross, he took your shame. On the cross, he says, No more shame. As a Christian, we have nothing to be ashamed of. We have everything to be proud and be grateful to the Lord Jesus Christ for. Yeah. Hallelujah. We are a peculiar people. We are peculiar. Because we are peculiar, we are not easily understood. That's all right. Come to our side, you understand us. Come over, come over to this side, you understand us. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We've been prepared by God for good works. That's what we are here for. Hallelujah. And so we are not supposed to take our world view from Presmogan. Morgan. Nor are we supposed to take our world view from EastEnders. Enders. Hallelujah. We are not to take our worldviews from celebrity jungle thing. I can't remember what they call it. (laughs) You know when they go into the jungle? Like the MP that went into the jungle? And we are not supposed to take our worldview from big Brother House. You know when an MP is on his force, George Galloway, you know, had this leech on his neck. We don't take our worldview from there. We take our worldview from the Word of God. Because this is the truth. This is the truth that holds everything together for us. And when we take the power of the truth away from this world, we have nothing left. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Because nothing is holding our life together. Only the truth can hold our life together. And when we allow that truth to hold everything together for us, the Bible says we become free because you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Now, the Bible also says that Abraham believed God and he was credited to his account for righteousness. You remember I said I want to focus on righteousness, but it's the truth that produces righteousness. How do I know? The Bible says Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God. Romans 4.3. Romans chapter 4, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him. It was credited to him for righteousness. Now the question is, what does it mean that Abraham believed God? If I ask you this morning, if you're born again and I said, do you believe God? You say, yes, you believe God. But what exactly do we mean by Abraham believed God? We mean that Abraham believed the promises of God. He believed that God was telling the truth. He believed that God was telling the truth. God said, these are my promises to you. Abraham said, I believe. I believe that. He believed it in his heart, and God says, you're righteous. And so righteousness means, simply, having a right standing before God. Wow. No wonder Paul says that is what protects our vital organs. That is the breastplate of righteousness. Something that we cannot earn by ourselves. It has to be given to us as a as, as a credit God says the way I'm going to make you righteous so that you can have a right standing before me so that you can come boldly before my throne in time of need so that we, we don't crawl in and say oh God I am a worm I am a no-gooder I, I, I you know I'm, I'm useless God says if you are if you were coming in your flesh that's exactly how you feel <laughs> Because when you see my holiness and you see my righteousness and you see the brightness of my glory, you will fall down and die because no flesh can stand before me. And so God says, for you not to fall down and die, I'm sending my son to die for you. And so we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. So as we come boldly before the throne of God, when God takes a look at us, instead of dying and falling down, die, he sees the righteousness of his son and says, come, come, you are my son too. Hallelujah. You You can come boldly. You are my son. It is credited to us as righteousness. Now, the Bible also says, Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. The Bible says in Proverbs 28 verse 1, that the righteous are as bold as a lion. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Because of the righteousness that has been credited into our account, we have boldness to come before the creator of the universe without fear. We can walk him boldly. We can walk in boldly. My little daughter, she just turned three. She doesn't think twice. It doesn't matter who I'm talking to. When she needs something, she just comes in. Daddy, can I have this? And I have to say, excuse me, dear, I'm talking to, can you see? But daddy, I need to, can you? Whether I'm sleeping or resting or on the phone, she just comes boldly. And sometimes I have to remind myself that she's just a three-year-old. <laughs> no wonder Jesus Christ said, unless we become like little children, we may not see the kingdom of heaven. The righteousness that can allow us to walk before the God of creation, the almighty God, the God of justice, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the almighty God, the I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God who spoke the stars into space. is the same righteousness that, can, that will cause us to stand out in the marketplace. Because the righteous are as bold as a lion. So why are we not as bold as a lion? Why sometimes that when we come under pressure, we are kind of sub-pedaling towards political correctness. And last year, I had to tell myself, no more. No more. I remember looking at this young man in Wolverhampton, witnessing to him, and him turning to me and saying, do you believe Muhammad is a prophet? And I said, no, I don't believe. Oh, yes, I don't believe that he's a prophet. And I could see the shock on his face. He's never probably, probably, probably never met a Christian Said no to him. And I used to be in that category too. I have my political correct way of going around the question. And the political correctness way of going around the question, yeah, you know, you, you Muslim believe that uh, Muhammad is a prophet, you know, but um, we don't really have anything to that effect in the Bible. So, well, if you believe it's all right for you, it's all right for you. But, you know, yeah, you know, next question, please. But every time I take that stand, I never get them to turn around and look at the righteousness that come from the word of God. But every time I have said, no, I don't believe. They have wanted to know why I don't believe. righteous are as bold as a lion so i keep telling myself every day every time i'm not bold for jesus i need to check what's wrong on the inside the bible says that righteousness exalts a nation and sin is a reproach to any people and i also discovered that for a long time i have thought that righteousness is going to proceed out of number 10 down the street I've always thought that righteousness can come out of the house of parliament. Maybe the house of lords because they have a couple of bishops there. Maybe righteousness will take over the nation from there. And so when election is coming, you begin to get all these emails and all these text messages from Christians. They say, pray! Tomorrow is the election for the mayor. Pray! That God will do something. What do we expect him to do? kill boris johnson kill kelly Stone, kill whoever is contesting and suddenly come to kensington temple and bring a christian say colin die be the mayor and i'm tired of receiving such emails and texts don't text me 24 hours before the election in fact i think it's too late for us to begin to pray for the 2015 election David Cameron is going to contest. Nick Clegg is going to contest. Maybe the UKIP leader is going to contest. Um, um, uh, Ed Miliband is going to contest. Which one of them is righteous? No, no, let's think about it. Which one is righteous? Which one of them has got the righteousness of God credited into their accounts? If we want to affect the elections, let's focus On 2020, and let's begin to pray that God will raise a Christian now. That God will begin to raise somebody that will have the kind of values that we prefer. Let's begin to pray. But for those people who are coming in 2015, let's begin to pray that the fear of God will come upon them. That whether they like it or not, the fear of God will just grip their hearts in one way or the other, and they will do what is right without knowing it maybe like laban and jacob god will appear to whoever is laban and say jacob is a covenant person don't say anything good and don't say anything bad because god appeared to laban and say yeah, don't touch don't touch don't touch my covenant person but if you want righteousness in this nation since it's not going to come from the house of lords or from the house of parliament or from number 10 down the street where is righteousness going to come from? From the church of Jesus Christ. The righteousness that is going to exalt this nation is going to come from the church of Jesus Christ and we know that this building is not the church, that you and I are the church. So what are we saying? We are saying righteousness. That we exalt this nation has to be produced by you and by me. Please let's clap. That's that's good preaching. Good preaching praise. Oh yes. We are the only ones on planet earth who has been given righteousness free of charge. We are the only ones that can produce it free of charge. And that's what we're we're called to do. Why is it that we are always receiving the enemy's arrows in our vital organs in the church? Our leaders fall and go to jail. Church leaders fall and go to jail. The rate of divorce in society is almost coming lesser than the rate of divorce in the church. What is wrong with us why are we taking the blessings of God for granted? The righteousness that Jesus paid a terrible price for. Why are we mocking about with it? Why are we trampling underfoot the, the blood of the Son of God? When the church of Jesus Christ does not stand for righteousness in society, guess what? Evil people rule. And my Bible tells me. When the wicked are in power, when the unrighteous are in power, the people groan. But when the righteous are in government, the people rejoice. It's only the people of God that can produce the righteousness in society that can make people rejoice. And so, the message to us today, you and I, we've got to walk on our righteousness. And please, we understand that righteousness is not always easy. That's why we're peculiar people. We have, Jesus Christ never said it's going to be easy. It is not. Go, he never once said it's going to be easy. He said you, you will, they will persecute you. If they rejected him, they will reject you ten times. But we don't give up on righteousness because we are being rejected. Jesus never gave up on us in the Garden of Gethsemane. At the whipping pole, he never gave up on us. On the cross, he didn't give up. And when he rose from the dead, he didn't give up. Now that he's seated at the right hand of God the Father, he has not given up. Why must we give up on him? Why? I believe that the reason why we are not as bold as we ought to be is because we are not paying attention to that righteousness that has been credited into our account. And people of God, it's time we begin to pay attention to that righteousness. Because it's only righteousness that can make you bold as a lion. We know the story of Joseph in the house of Potiphar. Potiphar's wife said, come. Come and lie down with me. Joseph didn't say, I don't want to betray my master Potiphar. He didn't say, I don't want to betray my position in this house. But Joseph said, how can I do this great evil in the sight of God? I don't want to have a right standing in front of you, Mrs. Potiphar. I prefer a right standing before my God. (laughs) And for his righteousness, he went to jail. So righteousness is not always easy. But the Bible says in Proverbs 28 verse 1, the righteous are as bold as a lion. Now, also in the story of Jacob and Laban in Genesis, when Jacob began to long to go back to his father's house and told Laban, I want to go back, Laban said, no, please stay, because since you came to my household, I've discovered that I prospered. You know why that business you are working in is prospering? That office you are working in is prospering? It's because you are there. They don't know it yet, but they will soon know it. But that breastplate of righteousness that will get them to take note of it has to be polished. It cannot be veiled by sin. It must not be veiled by sin. It must be polished. We must understand what we have, what has been credited to us, and we must look after it. Because it's protecting our vital organs. And so Jacob... Said to Laban, let's do a business deal because Laban said, name me your wages. Because he knew he was going to prosper because of Jacob that he could pay any wages. And Jacob said, no, 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 let's do a deal. Take away this kind of animal from your flock. If your animal produces the same type, that will be my wages. And Laban said, let it be as you have said. So Laban took all those kind of animals and took them three days journey away from Jacob. Not knowing that God had told Jacob, this is what you're going to do. But Jacob said to Laban, he said, in the future, when when the, when the, when the challenges of my wages come up, my righteousness will speak for me. Righteousness does not only make us bold. Righteousness also speaks for us. Oh, Joseph did the righteous thing in the house of Potiphar. He went to jail. But one day he came in that prison. One day came in that prison that his righteousness spoke for him. And that righteousness, speaking for him, took him to the palace. Your righteousness will speak for you one day. Oh, the enemy may think, go on, be righteous. You are going to remain down there on the floor. You are going to remain down there in the, in the sand. But I got good news for you, child of God. Your righteousness will make you bold. And your righteousness will speak for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Your righteousness will speak for you. We are called to be righteous. We are not called to compromise. The world says compromise. Piers Morgan says to this man of God on TV, compromise with me. Piers Morgan says, I fundamentally and passionately believe. And he says, if you can convince yourself, you will come to our side. No, I don't want to convince myself with the worldview of CNN. I don't want to convince myself with the worldview of BBC. I want to be persuaded, fully persuaded by the word of God. I want to stand for what the Bible is saying. And people of God, I want you to know, God has not called us into this race that we are running to be timid people that was why Paul said God has not given us the spirit of fear or the spirit of timidity is given of the spirit of love of power and of soundness of mind God said to Joshua I'm calling you to do a work for me in Joshua chapter 1 I need you to be bold and to be courageous it is time for us as soldiers of Christ to put on the whole armor of God to be bold. Paul says in order for us to stand in the evil day. And when we've, we've done all to stand, we should keep standing. Praying with all kinds of prayer in the spirit. And the reason why it seems sometimes that our prayers are not effective is because we leave righteousness behind. We talk about faith. We talk about prayer. We talk about the word of God. We talk about the sovereign of the Spirit. We do battle with the devil. I bind you, I bind you. Well, nothing is happening. Because the enemy is looking at us and saying, no, you are partaking on my table. Your righteousness is mad. Your ma- righteousness is not shiny. It's not producing what it needs to produce. You know, the Bible says that that those of us who Jesus Christ said is being anointed to come to preach the good news to, to set us free as captives, to open the blind eyes. It says that we are going to be like oaks of righteousness, planted by God. Uh, The oak tree comes from the acorn seed. It's a small seed. But when that tree grows into an oak tree, it's not easily moved by the wind. It sounds planted and rooted and we are planted when we are planted and rooted in the truth of the word of god we become like an old oak tree planted by god oaks of righteousness hallelujah may you be an oak of righteousness the bible also says about righteousness pictures of righteousness the bible talks about the crown of righteousness The Bible talks about the robe of righteousness. The Bible talks about the scepter of righteousness. I see a king and I see a queen. Jesus credits righteousness into your account and automatically turns you into a king or a queen. Because now you have the crown of righteousness. You have the robe of righteousness. You have the scepter of righteousness. And every time we step away from righteousness, we throw our crown away. Oh, Jesus. We throw our scepter of authority away. We take our robe of righteousness. We throw it away. And we put on the rags of sin. And the enemy laughs at us. And the enemy looks at us. One ex-president of my home country, Nigeria, looks at the bishop and says, I'm more righteous than you are. This is the same president who said that not being able to look away from other women is his cross that he's carrying. We are told that a man of God challenged him one day and said, Mr. President, Your Excellency, you said you are born again. He said, Yes, I'm born again. But what is all these rumors we're hearing? And the president said, "What, what, What rumor are you hearing again? And the man of God said, well, it's all these issues about women, women, not being able to take your eyes off women. So, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Uh, Man of God, that's my cross and I'm carrying it. (laughs) What a Pharisee. What a Pharisee. The same man was rumored to have said, "Uh, man of God, yes, it's true. You see, from here up, he's born again. From here downwards, not born again. (laughs) Oh, yes, let's, let's, laugh at, let's, let's laugh at him. Let's laugh at him. But what about you? What about me? What about you? What about me? When that knock comes on your door and you tell your little one, tell him I am not at home. And God blessed the four-year-old. Says, Mommy said I should tell you she's not at home. <laughs> and then tomorrow you carry your big Bible, bigger than Colin Dye's Bible. And then you say, you need to give your life to Christ. So, huh? <laughs> Are you a Christian? Your child told me yesterday that you told her to tell me that you're not at home. Do we cheat our employers? Do we sleep in bed because it's raining and we call the office and we tell them that I have a gas leak? (laughs) Do you misuse your employer's resources? Have you concluded in your mind as a child of God that adultery is part of the deal? As a young person, have you concluded in your mind that it is impossible not to have sex before marriage? Oh, let's laugh at the president who is not born again. What about you? Are you born again? Where's your righteousness? Where is my righteousness? What am I doing? What are you doing with the credit paid for by the blood of the Son of God? No wonder there's no righteousness on our streets because the church has stopped producing righteousness. We've got to go back to producing righteousness. We were freely given; We should freely give. And you ask me, how do we produce this righteousness? Oh, the next thing in that armor is the boots of the preparation of the gospel. And you know what we do sometimes? We carry the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ into society in flip-flops. We keep plodding around. <laughs> flip-flops. We don't even know what we believe. We just keep plodding around with the flip-flops of of the gospel and then we come back and say he's not walking <laughs> oh yeah he's not going to walk you are not supposed to go out there into the society facing snakes and scorpions and the works of the enemy in flip-flops you are supposed to put on the boots of the preparation of the gospel army regulation one special forces one peculiar people ones and when you put on that boot of the gospel, you are ready to trample upon snakes and scorpions and over all the works of the enemy. And the Bible says when we put on that gospel, when we put on the boots, it becomes the power of God unto salvation. It becomes the power with which we take over society. I'm not talking about taking over 10 down the street. No, no, no. There are some religious who want to rule the world. No, no, no. Jesus Christ's kingdom is bigger than any invention. He wants to be the king of the heart. Or if he's got a son or a daughter in 10 Downing Street, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We are not opposed to that. And sometimes Christians find it difficult to believe that we are not supposed to be, Britain is not supposed to be ruled by the Bible. We are not supposed to rule Britain by the Ten Commandments. I know it's a shock to you. You think, what heresy is he saying? That's why there's a constitution. That's why there's a democracy. Our job is to attack the snakes and the scorpions in the mind and in the heart of the people. That Christ, when he comes and knocks on that door, they open wide because they are ready. And you know one thing that they will see? Somebody said, there are four gospels in the Bible. But there's a fifth one. And that's your life. And I believe what people will see in your life that will bring them to the knowledge of the saving grace of the Son of God is the brightness of your righteousness because it will make you bold and it will speak for you and it will exalt you. And as we go out of this place, thinking about what has been credited to us free of charge and how we are supposed to take it out with the gospel, will your righteousness shine In the darkness in the world. Can I hear you say a bigger amen? Let's think more. People of God, let's think more about righteousness. My time is up, but I would like to call if you are here today and you have not given your life to Jesus Christ. You can't even partake in what we are saying. I know I should ask you to close your eyes, bow down your head, but I'm not going to do it. It takes a righteous person to serve Jesus Christ. There's nowhere in the Bible that he calls people who are timid. No, he calls people who are bold. It takes boldness and courage to serve Jesus. Maybe you're here today, you have not given your life to Jesus Christ. I want you to stand to your feet, please. You have not at any time given your life to Jesus Christ. You've not asked him to come into your life and be your Lord and your Savior. I want you to stand to your feet. Stand, stand. It takes courage to do that. It takes people of courage to do that. Maybe you've been invited here today no, somebody invited you and said, Come to church with me. You need Jesus. Come, 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 and invited you. If that's you, put up your hand and stand to your feet. Please. Please. I want I have to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Please help me consolidate us if anybody's standing or putting up their hand. I want you to stand before I pray. I want you to stand. I'm encouraging you to be bold. I'm encouraging you to be strong. God said to Joshua, be bold and be courageous. I'm encouraging you to be courageous. I'm encouraged if you brought them and they are not standing up stand beside them. You're sitting down beside stand them. Stand stand. You brought somebody to church this morning they need to give their life to Christ please stand, stand hallelujah. Please give them a hand hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on come on. Give them a hand. Give them a hand. God bless you. Any other person. God bless you. 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 Come on, come on, come on. In the coronet, in the overflow, downstairs. downstairs, God bless you, my sister. God bless you. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Come on, come on. Over this place. Be courageous. Be bold. Be bold. Be bold. Be bold. Be bold. Be courageous. Be bold. Be courageous. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please, just stretch forth your hand towards them. Those who are standing, they are standing beside you. Just stretch forth your hand towards them. Father, I want to thank you for these people who are responding to your gospel, to come into the light of righteousness, to come and be partakers of the blessings of the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Lord, I'm praying that the boldness with which you stood up in this place will not depart from them. Lord, the courage that they have will not depart from them. With this boldness, with this courage, oh God, they will serve you till you come, or till they come to meet you in eternity. Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus Christ on their sins. We ask, Lord, that the blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary will wipe away their sins in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, as they sit down with the consolidators who will take them through the prayer of repentance, let the the Lord Jesus Christ dwell in their hearts by grace, by love, and by compassion. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you.